Hello, and welcome back to Displaced Underdogs. I am your host, Morgan. So, <clears throat> last episode, I wrote that up before the world went all upside down and turtle, as they say in the new Mary Poppins Return movie. My personal world went upside down with the sudden loss of my father, and then the U.S. went upside down. Well, the world went upside down with the whole pandemic. A ton has happened, and a ton is still happening. So, um, again, some... That's all anybody can seem to talk about is the pandemic. But I guess I am trying to keep things as normal as I can. And that means continuing on with my episodes as I planned them. I, I suppose. So believe me, I have an episode or two planned for grief and loss and for the pandemic. Because going through it right now, I'm learning quite a few things. So, haha. <laughs> It, it, it seems I'm always saying, I'm learning new things, or I've learned about this thing. And my dad always told me, you'll always be learning, and that's good. Just a little reminder of how much he really imparted on to me. <laughs> just, just a reminder of him. Anyways. Uh... This episode is to dive a little deeper into fast fashion. A more in-depth look into it, I suppose. And it may seem silly at this point in time, considering everything that is going on in the world, but I think it is still something to look into and explore. Maybe give you guys something to think about, maybe something to look into yourself. I don't know. And I don't know about all of you, but it's nice to have something other than virus stuff or grief stuff to talk about. So without further ado, let's get into it. So please sit back, plug in, relax, and enjoy. Okay, so the fashion industry has many economic impacts as well as environmental impacts. And in the fairness of being balanced here, I'm just going to jump into some positives of fast fashion this first half. Or try to. And I'm going to try to keep it as balanced as possible, but okay. Um, as I said last episode... Fast fashion makes up a majority of the fashion industry as a whole. One in six people work for the fashion industry, whether as garment workers, designers, sales associates at huge fashion chains, and so on and so forth. So it does offer many, many job opportunities. The fast fashion industry gives retailers quite a few advantages. It is conducive to growth as far as a business model goes because it releases new fashion and lines as quickly as they can and as quickly as it can generate and that equals generating rapid profits. 
it gains its profits through trends and who can capitalize on that trend first and those profits can be made quickly and yield huge margins and or returns. So they quickly design things, quickly get it out and quickly make a trend like the first person to jump on fidget spinners got a lot of the huge margins and returns and jumped and quickly jumped on that trend. Everybody that came after, after, you know, the trend kind of died and profits weren't as nice. So, um, kind of like in states that legalized marijuana, those who got in on the ground floor, and you see this a lot in business period, those who get on the ground floor typically are the ones that are the success stories. And everybody else that follows, they can either improve or change it and be a success story, or they just do what everybody else is doing and then the the market becomes oversaturated. Which is one good thing about fast fashion. It definitely gives you a chance as a designer to flex your creativity. I'll go into that in just a moment. So fast fashion also pushes its staff to challenge their creativity, which can cause great success. So see, look, and and that'll come up a few times in the positives. And if a line flops, it can make up that loss of profit in a week or two with a new line release, just typically days or weeks later. For customers, fast fashion is budget-friendly and a more economical way for folks to stay on trend without breaking their bank account. It offers the consumer new and different styles to try and gives instant gratification because instead of waiting six months for a new style and being stuck in a trend you may not enjoy or just may not be suited for you and your style, just wait two weeks and you'll find something new you may enjoy better. And it does fast fashion in that regard too helps a lot of people kind of find their style and because there's a lot to try so there's a lot of comfort zones that you can push of your own fast fashion is definitely not boring either like it it doesn't become repetitive or or plain rather it razzle-dazzles its customers with the newest and latest trends and tends to leave them in a rather quick and eye-catching daze and wanting more because instant gratification and there's always something new to razzle-dazzle you with so you kind of almost get addicted to like ooh, what's new ooh, i want that ooh, i want more and all thanks to giving creative designers challenges and more opportunities to flex their creative and talented muscles as fast fashion has propelled a new model in the fashion industry instead of the traditional two seasons that we see in the past which would be fall and winter and spring summer Fast fashion has propelled a new 52-week or 52-micro-season. 
And since around 2014, we started seeing this shift away from the traditional two-season model to the 52 micro-seasons, which makes sense because there are 52 weeks in a full calendar year. Honestly, these were about the only positives I could find on fast fashion. I am sure there are more, but these were the most repetitive ones and the ones that came up the most often that I could find. So, kind of a short first segment. Um, And again, there are positives. It does give designers a chance to flex their creative muscles, to all to prove themselves too because again in this new 52 week micro season or 52 micro season if one week a line comes out for a designer and it flops they just have to quickly adjust reformulate redesign and try a different design that they may have been holding off on only to release that a week or two later and see instantaneous results and see how quickly that line goes. So, like how well it's received and how popular it comes. So it does give a lot of room for creativity and it's not do or die if you have a fail you can fail and still succeed because one fail, one failure to 30 successes is nothing in the fashion world. So, but when I come back from a small drink break, I will chat about some of the downsides of fast fashion. And I will try my hardest not to sound so soapboxy. So, hope to have you back. I'm going to go get me some water. And welcome back. Well, guys and gals, and everything in between, let's get into some of the downsides of fast fashion. Uh, this is hopefully going to be about the same length as the positives, but we'll see. So, let's begin with the fact that global clothing production has doubled in the past 15 years. And with the introduction of the new 52 micro seasons model, it makes sense because that's a new fashion trend every week, as I said earlier. The goal behind that, though, is to get consumers to buy as many garments as quickly as possible to stay, quote, on trend, end quote. Globally, we are now consuming about 80 million new pieces of clothing every year, which is about 400% more than 20 years ago. 20 years ago. That's quite a leap in not really that much time. 
And in the U.S., the average American buys around 66 new garments a year. Nine out of ten of those shoppers rarely or never return purchases due to the hassle of waiting in a return line or shipping an item back and the time it consumes for only a partial return of the money spent on the item or the ever-dreaded in-store online credit. Because really, sometimes you buy something from a store because you thought it would look good on you, it looked super cute on your friend who was relatively close in body style and structure to you, you get it and you realize, eh, I'm not comfortable in it or I don't like it for whatever reason, which is fine. But then you go to return it and you find out that uh, it's in-store credit that you get back. And you're just kind of like, I, I've never shopped here ever. Thought I'd give it a try. Okay, maybe I'll try something else. But uh, what if I never shop here again? Oh, well, then you can go ahead and give that in-store credit gift card to your friend who does shop here. Or it just goes to waste. So, you know, and, and time is money. So, you know, what, why? I'm guilty of it. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I'm guilty of buying something and then um, every once in a while I'll return it. But nine out of ten times, I don't. I just typically either A, throw it up online and sell it. B, throw it up online on one of the free groups and just give it away. Or C, reach out to a friend or family member that expressed, ooh, I like that. And, you know, just kind of go, hey, here, here you go. So either way, that's what most people typically do. Not a bad thing, just a thing. Um, going into fast fashion, though, the and how they have like the 52 micro seasons and all the little on trend, new trend. So by the time that you get something, you're out of trend because the new trend has come along, which actually causes the average woman in the U.S. has around $550 worth of clothes in her wardrobe, which in most cases, 20% of those items have never been worn. I, you know, whether it's due to you, you tried it on, it looked good in the fitting room, but then, so you bought it. Then when you bought it, because the price was right, um, you get home and you realize, when am I ever going to wear this? Like, what am I going to wear this to? I don't really go dancing or I don't really, I don't work an office job. So I'm not going to wear like this really cute A-line skirt, this really cute blazer, like pantsuit anywhere. Or, or another thing, putting on like, I'm, I'm a mom. I've had three kids. I've gone through three pregnancies. Trust me, I know all about yo-yoing and fluctuating weight. So women, our bodies change. And when they change, they don't change slowly. They kind of change rapidly. So weight gain, weight loss, it's a, it's a lot. 
And whenever you lose the weight, you might hold on to a few favorites because you can always tailor and take those in. Or typically what happens is we hold on to um, clothes that we no longer fit into when we do get bigger because that's our goal. As long as we see that favorite black dress hanging in the closet that was totally banging and was amazing when we were smaller, uh, we keep it as our carrot on a stick, as our motivation. One of these days I'm going to fit back into that sucker and it won't be a waste. And so, you know, it's understandable that like 20% of items haven't been worn in a woman's wardrobe, in the average U.S. woman's wardrobe. Um, again, I was guilty of it till I went a little bit minimalistic, but that's neither here nor there. So, on average, though, that's just kind of how it is with people's closets. So, I really don't like, again, I really don't like lumping myself into this group, but apparently I'm in that group because, um... This next one, we, most of my friends don't like lumping ourselves in this group because we don't consider ourselves this, but apparently we are considered millennials because it's considered to be people born after 1981. So, yeah, yeah, so I guess we're a part of the millennial group, but anyways, There's a reason why I bring up millennials, because millennials are twice as likely as baby boomers to get rid of clothing due to the fact of it becoming unfashionable or them getting bored of wearing it. So millennials will get rid of clothing because it's no longer on trend or, you know, it's just a piece that you wore for fall of 2019 and then you just didn't really wear it after that because eh, jeans t-shirts they get a little boring you know so yeah i apologize it um Usually I mute my phone, but I forgot to, so I apologize about that messenger. Ba-ding! So, anyways, millennials tend to get rid of more clothing than baby boomers. Which, they tend to either sell it or donate it. And a lot of it gets donated. And typically it's anything that doesn't sell, you donate it to make yourself feel better about getting rid of it. But sadly, only 10% of clothes that are donated to thrift stores or charity shops actually ever get sold. The rest ends up in landfills. 90% of donated, quote, donated, end quote, clothing ends up being trashed and dumped into the environment. Staggeringly, the 
average U.S. household throws away nearly 81 pounds of clothing and other textile waste in and what I mean by other textile waste is in the way of towels, bedding, curtains, etc. And that's five times more than in the 1980s. Like, then in 1980. Um, and that, sadly, polyester is now the most commonly used fiber in our clothing and other textiles. And... Polyester is a, is a synthetic fiber, primarily made up of plastic. We're clothing ourselves in plastic. I mean, I, I really like Bernadette Banner, and I always find it real cheeky when she says, if I wanted to wear polyester, I would just, the equivalent is going under your sink and grabbing a garbage bag and wrapping yourself up in it. And I've heard many a seamstress or so or people that work with textiles, like as a hobby, kind of say the same thing. Like there's a time and a place. Well, there's polyester has its merits. Don't get me wrong. And it does have its war, its own little slot in the land of textiles. Polyester is really good for workout clothing. Not even going to lie. But it is still made of plastic. And plastic takes a long time to break down. Polyester clothing takes around 200 years for it to decompose. It also takes around 70 million barrels of oil each year to produce the world's polyester fiber. And at the current rate at which consumers continually want cheaper goods at a reasonable cost, it causes manufacturers to cut costs. And when you cut costs, sometimes you cut corners, thus resulting in lower quality products which don't hold their shape or their color because they tend to fade quickly, thus resulting in these items being pitched sooner. And this is putting us on a bad trend for the number of plastic microfibers from textile waste entering the oceans between 2015 to 2050 to possibly accumulate to an excess of 22 million tons, which is roughly around two-thirds of the plastic-based fibers currently used to produce garments annually. Now, today, in 2020. And when manufacturers cut costs, again, they tend to cut corners. In China, farmers around fashion and or garment factories always joke about being able to tell what the next it and fashionable color will be based on the color and shade of their rivers because of the dyes that don't end up getting proper waste treatment but end up entering 
our ecosystem. So, and as mentioned previously, one in six people work in and or for the fashion industry. Unfortunately, there's a disconnect from most of these workers due to the whole adage of out of sight, out of mind, since most of these people are overseas. Roughly 40 million people work in the garment industry, and sadly, many do not share the same rights or protections of most folks in modern Western society that work here in the U.S. or any Western country, resulting in many of them, many of the garment workers that don't work in Western countries, many of those workers being some of the lowest paid workers in the world. About 85% of these workers are also women. One sad fact is that to actually pay many of these garment workers a living wage would add just 1% on to the average retail price of a piece of clothing in our fast fashion stores. And truly, this is just a bit of what's out there. Now, fast fashion does have its upsides. It really does. And the fashion industry does have a way of bringing back trends. So what you do find in charity shops and thrift stores, the stuff that gets donated and they actually keep, will eventually come around again. And awareness is being brought to the leaders in the fashion industry and these issues are being addressed. It's just finding balance, like in all things. There is a place in the world for fast fashion. There is a way that we haven't found or worked out just yet to make fas fashion more ethical and economical. So, but because it is becoming such a topic, um, thanks mainly to social media, uh, you know, it's just one of those where fast fashion designer gurus and fashion houses can't, can't deny it. Fashion giants can't deny the environmental and the economical impact. I mean, again, a lot of the workers in the fashion industry or the garment industry don't really work, produce clothing in my country of origin, the U.S., and a lot of people think when they think, oh, yeah, unethical clothing comes from, like, sweatshops with little kids in India and China and, you know, like the 1800s turn of the Industrial Revolution with, like, children back in, again, the late 1800s, early 1900s, Victorian era here in the U.S., over in Europe, where we imagine, when you say unethical practices, we imagine children, like, losing fingers, having to cut their hair and keep it short so that way it doesn't get caught up in the machinery and stuff. And really, it's, yes, there are 
some places that do have kids working, but then you, but a lot of places tend to have, again, more women working in these shoddy buildings and these horrible conditions that, you know, it's it's just not great. And there is that disconnect. Ask anybody where their clothing comes from and they'll say Taiwan, the Republic of this, China, India, you know, all these second world or third world countries, um, you know, and, but they don't, if you ask them if their clothing is ethically sourced, a lot of people don't know that. So, cause a lot of companies aren't forthcoming with it. It's not like food where you have the FDA and you have all these like um, you have to have every ingredient because people have to know what's going in their bodies. A lot of people don't care what's going on their bodies. So, again, it's just finding balance, like, in all things in this world. So, on that note, I will chat with you all next week about slow fashion and we will go into the positive and negatives of slow fashion because there is always, if there's a negative, there's always a positive. If there's a positive, there's always a negative. There's, there's always two sides to every coin. So until next time, stay safe, create, and enjoy.